0: Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to get to be back with you again today and to get to share from God's word. I always love the opportunities when I'm given to, to preach and to teach God's word. And so, if you want, you can go ahead and start turning in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. That'll be the, the book that we'll be studying in today. But before we get into that, you know, a lot has been changing since we've last seen each other and the last we've got to meet together. And I'm not even really talking about the pandemic, but I'm talking about the new addition to the Sutherland family on uh, march 17th brock fisher sutherland joined the sutherland family uh he didn't want to miss the party that was the the pandemic and so he made sure that he came into the world right before and we've kind of been going through all of this with him but he's doing well he's growing well he's eating extremely well and sleeping good so we're so thankful for him ren is learning how to be a good big sister uh, she is learning how to be compassionate and, and soft and kind to her little brother and learning what that looks like. And, and Hannah is doing well and, and healthy. And so we're, we're so thankful for our church family and the way that you guys have loved on us, even in the midst of these trying times. So we just want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your love and support for us uh, with the new addition as we adapt to being a family of four. So we're so thankful for that and really being what we're going to be talking about today. You guys have been a good neighbor to our family. It was really just a few weeks after Brock was born. We were out one day just enjoying the nice weather that we've been having recently and looking at our, some of our landscaping and some of the trees that we need to get trimmed up. And the neighbor that we were next to, you know, the tree that we were looking at that was hanging over into their yard, they came out and we began talking with them and they, they had seen the baby but didn't know if we had quite had a baby yet, so we got to introduce them to Brock, and we're just kind of talking about life. And they really began opening up about some really serious issues and serious things that were going on in their life. Just not looking for answers, but just kind of sharing what was going on in their lives and really allowing us to enter into those and just to, to listen and to care and to show compassion And so after that conversation, Hannah and I were just talking, saying like, wow, what an opportunity. Just by being present, just by being available, being in our yard, God was giving us opportunities to to love and to get to know our neighbors in ways that we hadn't been able to up until that point. So that's what I want us to be looking at today is how is God calling us to be a good neighbor to our literal neighbors? Now, I'll be honest with you, this is a, kind of a hard time to preach a message like this. Our world is telling us to practice social distance, to keep people away from us, to fear any and every one. But the Bible tells us and commands us to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves, And that does not come with the caveat of only in the time of peace or only when there isn't a pandemic. So, of course, we want to be wise in doing this. We want to practice all these proper boundaries, but we want to also be intentionally loving our neighbor in these challenging times. So let's look in in Luke chapter 10. We're going to be reading in uh, verses 25 through 37 and seeing what God has to say to us about how we can be a neighbor to our neighbors. So let's read, starting in verse 25. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up, to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, or said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, uh, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Do we see in our story, this lawyer begins to test Jesus. Now, this wasn't something that was uncommon in the scriptures, and uncommon as Jesus was doing his ministry. We see in Matthew chapter 22, a Pharisee who sought to trap Jesus with the question of, what is the greatest commandment? We see the same story in Mark chapter 12, but this time, instead of a Pharisee, it was a scribe. We have the religious leaders of the time really trying to trip up Jesus with his answers. They didn't really care what the answers were. They were more concerned with trying to trip him up. But what Jesus does is instead of giving them maybe the answer that they were looking for, he gives them and us the answers that we need. So we see this lawyer trying to trap Jesus and asking, really by asking the biggest question that we can ever ask. He says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? How do I, a man, live eternally with God? This is not just some question, like I said, but the most important question. It's bigger than who we will marry. It's bigger than what job we will do. It's bigger than what major we will have when we're in college. While those are all extremely important questions that we have to answer in our lives, those all will one day fade away. But God is calling us to ask this question, how can I inherit eternal life that lasts forever? Well, to answer this question, Jesus knows a couple things. He knows his audience. He knows that this man is a lawyer, someone who has studied the Scripture. But what he really does is he points them back to the law, to the Scripture, because he knows that this is where we find all of the answer to life's biggest questions in our lives. We, We answered this with our Who Asked For It series. Where do we go to answer these hard questions in life? Well, where do we go to answer the biggest question in life? How do I inherit eternal life? God, Jesus points us back to his word to answer that. So he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it or how do you interpret it? And the lawyer responds with what Matthew, we find in Matthew and Mark and those other scenarios, what Jesus calls the greatest commandment. He says, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know if Jesus is maybe as surprised as, as I am or maybe you are, but whenever one of the religious leaders answers one of the questions even semi-correctly, I'm kind of surprised by that. I'm expecting them to really just fumble it and then mess it up. But we see Jesus in his response that, yes, if we are trying to do something to inherit eternal life, this is what we are supposed to do. The lawyer wanted to earn eternal life. And like many of us, he was a doer. We love to do things. We love to earn things. We want to be proud of our work. So Jesus affirms him that, yes, if you want to do something to inherit eternal life, the only thing that you can do is to love God perfectly and to love others perfectly. See, the law demands a love for God and for others. The law demands a love for God and for others. It seems the lawyer is a lot like me and you, and as soon as Jesus says this, to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, I immediately begin reflecting on my life and seeing all the times that I didn't do that. I think of all the times that I didn't love God with all of my heart. I think of all the times I didn't love Him with all of my mind. And I definitely can think of all the ways that not only did I not love my neighbor, but I didn't even like my neighbor. I can immediately see all of the times that I come up short. And like this man, we begin to try to justify ourselves. We want to justify our way because we want to make it. We want to make it into heaven. We want to get eternal life. We want to make it into heaven and to spend for the rest of our lives with Jesus. So we begin to think and justify, how can I get there as this lawyer did? Well, Jesus is telling us that You can't just love God, you can't just love your neighbor, that they have to be done together. It's interesting that the lawyer didn't worry so much about the first part. He was a a lawyer, he had been studying the Word. He was probably thinking, I've loved God with all of my heart, I've loved Him with all of my mind, my strength, but this question of who is my neighbor, I don't think I've done that. He begins to justify in his mind so that he can make it in. One of our favorite things in our family right now as as Ren is getting bigger uh, and asking more questions and talking nonstop, is that she's really become, become quite the persuader. We'll be eating candy or a snack and she'll, we'll say, okay, Ren, this is your last one. And she'll say, all right, as she takes it and eats it. But as soon as that one is done, as she's eating it, she'll look at me and say, oh, D- daddy, one more. And I'll say, well, no, Ren. We, we just talked about this. That was your last one. We're not going to eat any more. But she but Daddy, but Daddy, just one more, just a couple more. She's already expanded from one to a couple in just a few moments. And because I am a sucker and I love my daughter, I usually give in to that and I'll give her one more. But there's something within us that when we don't get the answers that we're looking for, we begin to persuade. We begin to try to justify, to try to get the thing that we want the most. See, here we see the lawyer doing the same thing. He knows that he can't live up to the answer that he's given, so he begins to justify and ask Jesus, Okay, Jesus, so who then is my neighbor? He's looking for a loophole. Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus proceeds to tell the story that we're so familiar with in the Good Samaritan. In our story, we see a man. He was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers. He was stripped, beaten, and he was left half dead. We have a, a, a priest, we have a Levite, they, they see him, but they just pass by on the other side. But then we see a Samaritan on his journey as he was going. He sees him, but the difference with the Samaritan is that he has compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured oil and wine on him, set him on his animal, took him to an inn to take care of him. And then he even gave the innkeeper money. He knew he was going to have to leave, but he wanted this man taken care of. So he leaves money and says, I will come back and repay Anything that is left over that I didn't give you money for. So Jesus gives us this story to illustrate who his neighbor is. For us to really understand the kick of the story, we really have to understand the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans did not like each other, and that is saying it nicely. They hated one another. See, Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. So the Jews hated them for being ethnically mixed. Samaritans, as a result, had to have their own place of worship. They had to have their their own temple. And so they were upset about that. The Samaritans had to have their own copy of the law because the Jews wouldn't allow them to study the Torah. They didn't like each other, and everyone knew it. So for Jesus to put in this story the Samaritan as the hero, he was risking losing the credibility of all of his listeners. He was elevating one of the Jewish enemies to that place that they would have never imagined, that of hero, that of helper to a Jew. This is radical not because of the Jew's perspective, but also because of the Samaritan. This Samaritan had no reason to help this Jewish man who was in need. He was risking his own well-being. There could have, this could have been a trap set by those robbers waiting for someone to stop. So he put his own life at risk. He, he put his own needs at risk by giving up of his own material goods. He used his own stuff to bind his wounds. He used his own oil, his own wine. And then he, he gave up of his own time. He, he took the man to and in, left him there and said, I will come back. I will go out of my way to take care of this man and come back and pay you any um, extra expenses that I maybe didn't give you enough money for. This man went to great cost to love and to show compassion for this man who was beaten. So while the lawyer was looking for Jesus to define who his neighbor was, Jesus instead chose to demonstrate who his neighbor was. Through this story, we see that Christ demonstrates how to love God and others. Christ demonstrates how to love God and others. Jesus is communicating that you cannot love God without loving others, and you cannot truly love others without loving God. It's all wrapped up in this picture of who is my neighbor. Jesus defines our neighbor, not just by those who are in need, but those who are in need and who may even be our enemies. God is telling us if we can love our enemies, the Jews and the Samaritans hate each other. They were enemies. If we can love our enemies, then we should be able to love anyone who is in need. And Christ doesn't just define this, but he puts his money where his mouth is. Mouth is He puts it in action and he demonstrates this by himself, by loving us, by sacrificially, selflessly, completely loving us so that we might live. The lawyer wanted to know how he might in, inherit eternal life, and Jesus demonstrates that, it can only be, and it can, that he can only inherit eternal life by accepting and loving the one true good Samaritan. See, As we read the scriptures, we're always looking for, Lord, where do I fit into this text? Where do I fit in the story? What character do I need to be relating to? As we're watching movies, we're always relating to different characters. So as we read this story, we start thinking, okay, who am I in this story? Now this Jew, this man is the same way. He would love to be the hero, but the hero is a Samaritan. So he doesn't want to relate as that man. And the same goes for us. The lawyer and us must understand that we in this story are the man in need of help. We are the one left for dead in needing of someone to give us life, to help us. See, The lawyer didn't understand that he was speaking to the true neighbor. This lawyer didn't understand that he was speaking to the true good Samaritan. This lawyer would have never, never imagined that a Samaritan would help a Jew or that a Jew might help a Samaritan in the same way that we would never think that the Son of God would love us when we were enemies of God. Ephesians 2 tells us that in verse 1 that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were beaten up, we were battered, we were spiritually dead because of our disobedience. But then our good Samaritan looked on us and had compassion on us. Our good Samaritan seen Adam when he was beaten, when he was nearly dead in his sin, when I was completely dead in my sin. Our good Samaritan looked on me and had compassion when he had no other reason to save me than for his compassion. I was like the Jews to the Samaritans. I was an enemy of God, but God in his mercy looked upon me and had compassion on me and did something that I cannot do for myself. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love that he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Jesus got up and did something for you and me because of his great love for God and for us. So how do we answer the lawyer's initial question? How do we inherit eternal life? It's not by doing something, but by believing in someone. We can do nothing to save ourselves in and of ourselves unless we can live perfectly and love God and love others. And we've already determined that we can't do that. We can look in our own lives and see how we come up short. But God is telling us through the illustration of this story, if we would but receive the gift of Jesus Christ as our good Samaritan, we can have eternal life. The man in our story, if he would have rejected the Samaritan's help, he was a Jew. He could have said, no, 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 no. I don't want your help. He was weak. He was left for dead. But he could have said, don't help me. In the same way that while Jesus has come to be our good Samaritan, if we don't accept his gift of salvation, if we don't accept his, his life on behalf of ours and accept that gift of salvation that he offers, then we will, we will die there. But if we accept the offer of salvation that he gives us, we can live. As this man, was, he was bound, his wounds were bounded, he was given new life, he was healed God is offering to heal us if we would just accept the work of the good Samaritan in our lives. See, we are the man. Jesus is the Samaritan looking upon you and me with compassion, grace, and mercy and offering to bind our wounds and heal our hurts if you would just accept him and turn to him today. When God came in the person of Jesus Christ, he demonstrated a love for us that we had never experienced before. And he demonstrated a complete love for God by following the Lord, God the Father's uh, command to come and to die for us. But he also showed a great love for us by sacrificing his life to do that. See, Jesus was putting on display what it means to love your neighbor and to be a neighbor. Neighboring displays our love for God and for others. See, Jesus' answer, he tells a story and then he tells him to go and do likewise. He had told this man, okay, who was the neighbor? And he said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus says, go and do likewise. He commissions this man to go and display the love that he was just told about. Jesus is not only the answer, but he is also the example to follow. Never in this story do we become the ultimate good Samaritan, but God does call us to imitate and follow the actions of the good Samaritan. First John really speaks to this in chapter 3 and 4 in chapter 3 verses 16 and 18 he says by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers or for the brothers but if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does God's love abide in him little children let us not love in word or deed or, or in word or talk but in deed and in truth And then verses 23 and 24 of chapter 3. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. For whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And then chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. See, we love because we have been first loved. We show compassion because we have been shown great compassion. We care because we have been so cared for by Jesus Christ. We are good neighbors because God was a good neighbor to us. See, our love for God comes first. Yes, we must love Him But then as a response to that love that God has shown us, we must then respond to that in love for others. As God has loved us, so we love others. And we don't just love because it's the nice thing to do. We love because our life has been so dramatically, so drastically, so miraculously changed by the love of God that we cannot help but show that love to those who are around us. Historically, this text has has really been shown to or really been pointed out to show that our love for the world, for those in hard situations, maybe those in impoverished nations, those in, in areas hit by disaster, those who are really in need of compassion. And yes, this is 100% true. And as our missions and ministry pastor, I am so excited to get to lead us in some of those efforts of, of going to the nations, to go to those in need and caring and loving them and sharing the good news with them. But what I really want us to focus in on today is what if we took this literally. What if we took the greatest commandment literally today? It's easy for me to think about that person in another country that I don't know and hypothetically helping them. It's easy for me to think of that person in an area of the world who is impoverished and think, we've got to do something for that person. But what if I thought about that literal person across the street? What if I thought about that literal neighbor that God has put right by me? What if I was to love my neighbor literally as a neighbor? So yes, while this text is most definitely showing us the great links that we should be going to, to show care and compassion to those locally and around the world, I think God is calling us today to also think about that literal neighbor that God has put next to us. See, God has placed us all where we live intentionally and specifically. It is no mistake that you live in the town, on the street, in the house that you live. It is no mistake that you have the neighbors who are around you because God has placed them there. He has put you there so that you could intentionally love and care for them as Christ has loved and cared for you. This is so true for us today. on Sunday, May 31st, one of the greatest things that God wants to, or one of the greatest things that Satan wants to do to us right now is to put so much fear in our life that we just lock ourselves in our own houses, that we ignore everyone around us. Again, I'm not saying that we break social distancing or that we start a new pie ministry today. This is probably not the best time to do that, but this is still the right time for us to be loving our neighbors, to be praying for our neighbors, and to be taking steps forward to getting to know them, to building trust so that we can love and care for them as we have been loved and cared for. See, we cannot show compassion for our neighbors if we do not know them, and we cannot get to know them unless we invest time and energy into doing that. Let's again look at Jesus as our example to follow. How was he a good neighbor to us? What did he do so that he could be a good neighbor to us? Well, first he got up and he came to us. One of the hardest steps that we will take in getting to know our neighbors and by being a neighbor to them will be initially meeting them. It will be learning their names. Some of you may be thinking, I've lived in my house for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years, and I still don't know that neighbor that lives next to me. Now it's just going to be awkward. Why, can't I, why would I go over there now when I haven't done it yet? God is calling us to go over there, to begin initia- initiating that relationship with them, begin learning their name. In my last job as a resident director at Cedarville University, one of the things I asked my RAs my first year, I said, what was something that the guy did before me that I should be thinking about doing that was really helpful in his job? They said, well, there's about 190 guys in our dorm, and he knew everyone's name in the dorm." He had learned everyone's name. And so I, I took that challenge. I said, if I'm going to be the RD that I need to be, i got to learn everyone's name, even if it kills me. Can I tell you that I made a ton of mistakes that first year? I called Jeremy Joe and Joe Jeremy. I called Matt Phil. I couldn't remember Jacob's name ever. It took time and effort and work. But in due time, I learned their names. And I, and I could call them by it. Think of the times when someone calls you by your name. If they say, hey, Joe, hey, Jeff hey, Adam, instead of hey, man. You know, that there is something to our names. It's how we are identified. It's how we are called. Being able to just call your neighbor by your name will begin to open up many opportunities to getting to know them better. Christ got up. He came to us. He left heaven, came to earth to not only get to know us, but to serve us. And how did he know how to do that? Well, secondly, Jesus spent time with us. He spent time with us. Not only did God come to us to get to know us, but he spent time with us. Jesus didn't just do a drive-by on his way back up to heaven. He didn't just drive through earth say, all right, here's my sacrifice, I'm out of here. But no, he spent 33 years on this earth for the people that he came to die for. And he promises even now as children of God, if we are his, to be with us forever. I don't know if some of you have seen the series, The Chosen, that is, that's been on kind of circling the internet. It's a new series on the life of Christ. It's a, it's a powerful series that I really recommend. I think I cried multiple times when I was watching it. It's so powerful in how they illustrate the stories of the life of Jesus. But one thing that really stuck out to me is how they illustrate the, the normal things of life that Jesus was doing with those around him. He went to a wedding feast. He had a, they showed him at his campsite, hanging out with children, hanging out with his disciples. They showed him eating meals with people. They showed him uh, teaching and just hanging out in people's homes. Jesus spent time with those that he loved and cared for and those he came to serve. Many of us are probably tightening up because God is starting to ask you to open up one of those hardest things that you don't, you don't like to give up. And I'm not talking about our checkbooks, but I'm talking about our schedules If we are going to be a neighbor to our literal neighbors, we are going to have to adjust our schedules to spend time with them. In America, we live extremely busy lives. It is a badge of honor to say that I am too busy to add anything else to my schedule. If I'm not multitasking, I'm not functioning to my full capacity. But we cannot show compassion to our neighbors if we don't have the company of our neighbors. Another thing that I often emphasized with my RAs in my last job was this idea of having a presence in their hall. Whether it was in the hiring phase or after I hired them, we were often looking at their schedules and their time management, seeing how well they were having a presence in their hall. See, they could not have an impact on their hall if they were not having a presence in their hall with their peers. They had to eat with their peers. They had to be available to their peers. They had to play games with their peers. They had to do all these things so that when... It hit the fan. When life got hard, they were available and they had trust built up with their peers so that they could speak into their lives. Many, they still had schoolwork. They still, many of them involved in athletics. They didn't just stop doing everything. They didn't stop working. We can't stop working and doing this, but they had to radically and intentionally adjust their schedules to build trust and relationship with those they were called to care and show compassion on. One positive that is coming out of this pandemic is that it's caused us all to slow down a lot. Really, a screeching halt in many ways. Now, I don't want that forever. I don't want to forever be maybe stuck at home, but it has created opportunities for me and hopefully for you to specifically get to know some of those neighbors who you didn't know. They were home. I was home. No one was going anywhere, and we were all outside trying to enjoy the weather because we were tired of being inside our homes and it allowed opportunities for me to get to know some neighbors that I had not yet met. For you and me to be a neighbor to our neighbors, we're going to have to adjust, interrupt, and change our schedules to make that possible. And parents, this is going to affect our families. I know that may seem like a negative, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a great positive as you show your children what it means like to show care and compassion for those around you. But that may mean giving up Weekend sports, sport activities, it may mean giving up certain programs at school to carve out time to be present in your community with your neighbors. This may be a hard decision, but it can be a flourishing decision in your family as they see you, your parents, seeing you as parents, making radical decisions to love those around you. This leads us to our last example that Jesus gave us to follow. He He sacrificially cared for us. Yes, He came to us. Yes, He got to know us. But then He sacrificially cared for us. Going back to the lawyer in our text, I can resonate with the lawyer. Can you not? It sometimes feel, feels easier for me to love God than it is to love others. I can, I can pray to the Lord. I can read my Bible every day. I can watch a sermon online. I can do all of these things, just, just me and Jesus, me and God. But as soon as I start loving others, life starts getting Messy. Not only does it begin to get messy, but it begins to get challenging, it begins to get hard. Some of our fears with loving our neighbors is because we know life will get messy. Some of you may be thinking, well, if I start to get to know my neighbors, I may see their drama and even more scary. They may get to know my drama but it's in the mix of all of these challenging, messy times that God seems to work the most and he seems to give us the best opportunity to show love and compassion for those when they are in need. See, our life will get messy as we begin to sacrificially care for our neighbors. And think of what Christ did for us. He sacrificially came and cared for us. He gave of his life and God may be only asking us to give of our time. He may be only asking us to give of our, of our money, of our energy. One of your neighbors may be going through a, a bad divorce and they just need someone to listen to them, to talk to them. Maybe their car broke down and they just need someone to give them a ride to work so you have to give up of your time. There will be many challenges potentially in loving our neighbors, but the cost will always be worth it. For it is far more costly not to care than it is to care. It is far more costly not to care than it is to care. And yes, the cost could be far and many. The cost could be for us that uh, we may not get to care for that person who's around us or you may miss the opportunity to share your story with someone or share the faith or to grow in your faith through that sharing and caring opportunity. You may miss an opportunity for your children to see you selflessly loving others. You may miss the opportunity to share Christ with someone who desperately needs it. And we can honestly see some of the cost of us not loving our neighbors as Christ's command is happening in our world right now. All you have to do is turn on the news. When we're done with our sermon, turn on the news. You will see how we have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Injustices seem to be happening every day because of our inability to love, to listen, and to show compassion on our neighbor, especially our neighbor who may look differently than us. Our hearts should break and cry out in compassion and care when we see these injustices happening because we know that they break God's heart when he sees injustices happening in our world. So I cannot help but come back to the thought of if we really loved our neighbor as ourselves. I cannot help but think that our world, our country, our street might be different if we did this. I titled our sermon, Won't You Be a Neighbor?, You know, many of us have heard the song uh, from Mr. Rogers of won't you be my neighbor? And yes, I need you to be a neighbor to me and I need to be a neighbor to you. But what if we were a neighbor to our literal neighbors across the street or next door to us? What if we were a literal neighbor to that single mom who needs some help with her children? What if we were a literal neighbor to that old couple who lived right next door to us? Now is the time People are hungry. They're hungry for relationship. They're hungry for community. They're hungry for someone to talk to them. Especially after these last two months, we've all been locked inside and we're so eager to talk to somebody. Our neighbors are ready to get to know you. Are you ready to get to know your neighbor? See, churches, it's so important for us to be learning how to, yes, love God, but the best way that we can love God and by loving others as Jesus illustrates, is by being and imitating the good neighbor, by being and imitating the good Samaritan who came and loved us when we were in most need. Church, God is calling us, yes, be a neighbor to those who are in need around our country, around our world, but God is still calling us also to love that neighbor that he has placed right next door to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, thank you so much for loving us when we were in our greatest need. Lord, we were beaten. Lord, we were half dead, if, if not fully dead. Lord, we were fully dead in our sins. But Lord, in your compassion, in your care, you looked at us and did something about us. Father, I pray that as we see the world that is in many ways, it seems like every day falling more and more apart, Lord, that we would look on those that you have placed around us with care and compassion as you have shown that towards us. And Lord, that we would begin taking steps forward to show that same care and compassion for them. Lord, our world is hurting and in need of good neighbors. Lord, help us to imitate you as you have loved us. Lord, help us then to love those who you have placed around us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, thank you for watching alongside of us, with us today. I pray that this will be an encouragement to you and your family as the, the weather continues to warm up, as we get outside more, that you will be looking for intentional ways to build relationships with those that God has placed around you. Now, church, let us go and be a neighbor.